Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, you are listening to the most conscious podcast in the multiverse, The Crucial Journey. Tom Palladino is my special guest here. Now, Tom, you are someone that is a researcher into scalar energy. You are you are many things. Brother, before uh before I I get into this, uh, uh perhaps you perhaps you just wanted to give us a bit of an introduction into what you do. I know you do a lot of different things, but perhaps you can give us the rundown of who you are and what your journey is. I'd say I'm a humanitarian and I want to make a difference in the world as you do. So thank you for this invitation. And together we're going to change this world and make the world a better place. Absolutely. I like that. A humanitarian. All right. So Tom, I like to think of myself as a, first and foremost, a purveyor of awesome vibes, you know, because I, I consider myself, well, a singer, dancer, that's what I do. That's my, that's my main focus. But I think uh, one of the best ways to uh, inspire people is not just through music, but is through knowledge and an understanding of this universe that we are immersed in. And I, I think there is no greater question than what is the underlying source behind this universe? You know, a lot of people refer to this as God, Krishna, Buddha, Allah, the unifying field. But your work revolves around something called scalar energy. And it's not something that I was familiar with about a week ago. I'm like, hmm, what is this scalar energy you speak of? And I was thinking to myself, what, what is this? What, what? I've heard it. But then I, as I got into this stuff, I realized that you're talking about something, and correct me if I'm wrong, that I have been somewhat familiar with. I mean, I refer to this as prana, chi. And I think the perfect analogy, if you're a Star Wars fan, is the Force. Because it's it's like a metaphor for this, this energy that permeates all life. And I hear you speak about scalar energy in a very technological light, in the fact that this thing relates to zero-point energy, which we're already seeing technologies come about from. Um, but also, it has some kind of biological component. So perhaps if you could take a moment to tell us what scalar energy is, because I know this is a huge aspect of your work, not just scalar energy, but since that is a huge component, do you want to break it down for us? What is this, this scalar energy that you that you keep referring to in your work? And I, I always start with this fundament. Scalar energy, light, is fundamental. Scalar energy is from the sun and the stars. So what am I working with? The initial energy of the stars. This is the life force or chi prana of the stars. And yes, there, there are synonymous terms with scalar energy, chi, prana, zero-point energy. Some people call it pyramid energy. Others call this mana or torsion energy. My point is we're working with a, 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 the fundamental underpinnings of nature. That's what scalar energy is. It's not electricity. These are scalar energy instruments behind me. So I'm working according to the laws of science. And as you know, the laws of science are immutable. And if you can master those laws of science, then you can do incredible things. No doubt. So we're talking about something that is measurable here. This isn't just something in the realms of, of woo-woo science and metaphysical things that we can't prove in this Euclidean meatspace reality. So I guess this thing has a measurability measurability. Is there what is the science behind this thing? This is for the people that are always skeptical whenever I bring up things like chi the force and how you can tap into these uh these life forces and whatnot. How has this stuff uh been manifested in the technological space? Thank you. So th this is a scientific process. These are custom-built scalar energy instruments. And with these instruments, I can control a different dimension. I'll demonstrate to the audience. These instruments are so strong, they can illuminate a light bulb. This light bulb is colored red, so I can give the audience a demonstration. Oh, wow. This is free energy. And the energy is so strong coming off the scalar energy instrument that it can light up a light bulb through a piece of wood. Now watch. So my point is with this energy, it's the all-pervading life force energy. Nothing can stop it. It's free energy. It can <clears throat> provide power 
can provide an animation even to a light bulb that I hold in my bare hand. So this is unique. This is not magnetism. That's not a magnet. That's not electricity. Now, with that in mind, where are we going with this? I've developed these instruments to work with people, animals, and plants in the quantum field. I don't work with people, animals, or plants in person. What do I mean? These instruments are designed to work with my bilocated version. My photograph is my bilocated version. So the instrument working in the quantum field works with an energy field. I don't work with people. People will email me a photograph, and I can access a person's force field or their quantum field through the photograph. Wow. Okay. So, first of all, first of all, what you just showed us is amazing technology. I mean, I don't know how it, this works exactly, but it reminds me of the Tesla call. Um, perhaps you can explain a little bit about how that works. But before I do that, we just moved into the realm of what I think a lot of people would look at as woo-woo. And I mean, to me, to me I, I've seen, I mean, I've bro been brought up my entire life looking at things like that. But you're talking about healing people uh, without them even being present. I mean, it's one thing when you can show us a light bulb and light this up through your your scalar magic and whatnot. You know, that's provable. We can see that science. You can reproduce the results and whatnot. But when we're talking about healing people um, with a photo, we are moving into the realm of, well, an area of health that I think a lot of people aren't familiar with. So how does that work? And I mean, perhaps if you can just break down how both those things are working. Um, let me say this first. Nobody has ever duplicated my work except my predecessor, a man by the name of Hieronymus, he developed these instruments and I've perfected them. So Hieronymus is deceased, so nobody presently can duplicate, can repeat my work. So this is indeed cutting edge. My instruments, my technique is cutting edge. Now let me use this analogy to, to set this in motion. We're having a, a conference by a communication by computer. Your image is in my computer. My image is in your computer. Obviously, we're not inside one another's computer. Now, if you can do that with a computer, why can't you do that with your image, your photograph, inside this instrument that acts like a computer? So, we can communicate through a photograph just as you and I are communicating through a Zoom call. That that seems that seems plausible in theory. I guess in my mind, there's a distinction between information transmitting information through computer. Obviously, we have established technology science to do that. And the idea of being able to, uh, I guess, uh, influence someone that is not there uh, rather than just sending information, actually have a tangible effect on them without them even being conscious of the fact that you're doing that by you simply having an image of them. Now, for someone like myself, uh, I'm very familiar with the metaphysics and how uh, essentially we're all connected. You know, this is within the, even the realm of quantum uh, science, but the idea of that being implemented in the real world, that's that's mind blowing stuff. But it, it seems, yeah, do you, perhaps you can elaborate on, on this. So you've actually been able to do this in the real. This isn't just yes. air built of imagination, right? Oh all the time for the past 30 years. My predecessor was able to work with photographs of the Apollo 11 astronauts and treat the astronauts while they were on the moon. So what's the point here? In the scalar dimension, there is no time and space. You transcend time and space. So a photograph in a scalar energy instrument transcends time and space. Now keep in mind, this is a new science. This is a new branch of physics. It's not electricity. This does not, I don't follow electromagnetic theory. I follow scalar energy theory. So there's two energies and hence there's two explanations for nature. Bro, this is this is deep, powerful stuff. It so is, first, first of deep. all, the technology that you showed us, I understand you mentioned that this is cutting edge. This is obviously yours. So you obviously don't want to give out your secrets and whatnot. But I am because look, I have seen I've seen examples of of being able to. I mean, obviously, everyone knows about Nikola Tesla, the idea of using his uh, 
his Tesla coil to to essentially generate energy. And we all know the story behind that. Unfortunately, the big corporations uh, got involved and we weren't able to get free energy. But being able to reproduce what you've created, uh, is that something that is achievable on a larger scale? Because I, I, I've seen stuff like that actually done. I don't understand exactly how the technology was implemented, but essentially people powering things with uh, with uh, similar devices. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, you might be familiar with a guy called Maxwell Chikambutsu. He is uh, he was featured on one of my favorite documentaries called Thrive, where he essentially created a free energy device. And this thing is is legit. Essentially, the Zimbabwean government was trying to steal this thing from him because he didn't want to uh, give up his technology. So they locked this guy in jail. The documentary focused around getting a bunch of scientists to vet the technology. And they actually proved in the documentary that this thing is legit. It's a, essentially, it's basically zero point energy in the sense that it's taking the ambient energy from any environment. And this was being used to charge anything from uh, TVs, helicopters to, it, this guy had proven to the scientists, to the vetting department that this thing was legit. And we are seeing more and more of these technologies. I saw a 13-year-old kid one time create a, somewhat of a similar device, essentially was able to light a light bulb with this technology. And I'm I'm wondering, uh, I mean, why don't we see this stuff all around? I mean, from what I from what you showed me there, your technology is is something that seems like it's sustainable. I don't know what it's drawing from. I'm assuming this is the scalar energy, but if this thing is reproducible, why don't we see this stuff all around the world? We should, and it's suppressed. That's the only reason that I can come up with. If this is good, it is. If it's safe, it is. It can benefit people, yes. Why don't we see this? It's suppressed. My work has always been suppressed. Even though I have incredible testimonies on my website, my work is suppressed. So, and you have to ask yourself why. Free energy will change the military industrial complex. And that's the pushback. No doubt. I I have no doubt. In fact, I, I know from my own personal experience, and I think it's pretty much um, exoteric now that this information has been around for a long time. Uh, we've seen a lot of people go missing uh, when they tried to disclose this. Uh, in the Thrive documentary, they actually it focused around free energy, and they, they showed a list of all the people that had uh, come about with these uh, technologies that I believe were implementing scalar energy and how incidentally, coincidentally, we see these people um, going missing. And, you know, I, I, for one, don't really believe in coincidences in the, in the classical term. I, I think they're, they're mathematically unexplainable, but I think when there, there's definitely a lot more going on than meets the eye. Uh, but um, nonetheless, we are at this point in society where, I think a lot of these technologies like yours are becoming mainstream. And uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the zeitgeist movement. This is from a year, few years back now, I think almost a decade ago. But this focused around implementing technologies to create a sustainable society. So uh, it fo focused on a resource-based uh, society. But the idea was to use a lot of these technologies, like, for instance, scalar energy, to create a society where we're no longer dependent on fossil fuels and so forth. Um, perhaps, perhaps we could talk a bit about your work. I, I mean, I'm not sure if it moves into, but you mentioned you're a humanitarian. Um, we'll move, we'll, we'll go into the healing aspect of things. Cause I'm very excited as to the, the photography and how that's able to heal people and whatnot. But in terms of trying to get this, this technology out to the public is, for instance, is your instrumentation, is that purchasable? How do we get this stuff to the masses so we can reshape the planet? Yeah. I, uh, it's taken me a lifetime to build this lab. So I don't, I don't contend that I'm going to be able to reproduce a laboratory. What do I want to do? I want to introduce this to as many people as possible by way of a photograph. Now, with my limited funds and my limited time, how can I prove this? I can prove this to people through a photograph. Okay? It would take hundreds of millions of dollars to, to position these instruments around the world and then prove it to people. I don't have that, and I don't have that time. So what is my point? Today, we accept photographs from people around the world, and we work with their photographic force field. We treat the photographic quantum field, not the biological field, and people feel better. And by those testimonies, then our, our movement is spreading through word of mouth by way of treating people's photographs. I never treat people. I treat their photographs. 
That's that's very interesting. This reminds me of the work of Edgar Cayce, uh, the uh, I think it was the 20th century sleeping prophet. This guy was able to to cure many illnesses by putting himself in this trance-like state and essentially uh, healing people. Um, uh, and I'm not sure if a lot of his patients needed to be in the room, but I guess the the fundamental theme was that um, by by tapping into this state of consciousness, um, he was able to diagnose what was wrong with people without any of the, the classic scientific instrumentation and essentially uh, uh, cure people. And the work that you're doing in the fact that you don't need to be in the same room as these people seems somewhat reminiscent of that. And look, I got I got to be I got to be critical about this stuff, you know, because I'm sure uh, my podcast likes to bring in the freaks as well as the scientific skeptics and whatnot. Now, obviously, there is a distinction between the scalar device that you have here. It seems like it's it's workable. Now, I understand that you mentioned it's going to cost a lot of money to essentially get this to the masses because I know there is a vetting process anytime you want to get something like this out. Uh, you have to go through boards and whatnot. And more often than not, these people don't want to accept anything that goes against their scientific laws. I mean, this is the same problem Maxwell Chikambutsu uh, received. You know, a lot of people, even though we've seen this thing and it's the government in Zimbabwe is, impl is trying to implement this technology, he won't be recognized. He won't get the patent patenting uh, license because it's not recognized. It, people, they just don't accept it. In the realm of the the work that you're doing, healing people through photos and whatnot, how do you, I mean, when it comes to verifying when people are healed, I mean, what are, are you, are you, you're, you're seeing testimonies, I guess, from people that have, have given you their photos. What, what, what kind of evidence can you bring to the fore in regards to the legitimacy of the work that you're doing around healing people? And that's a good point. And, and we have to make the distinction that I have many testimonies on my website, but you still have to make the link between the photograph and the person. Can can people prove that I can actually find a person through this instrument? It's theory. I can't prove that myself. No. So we have to rely upon testimonies. This is one of the testimonies. I'm going to show that to your audience. Okay. This individual, I work with this individual by way of their photograph. I only work with photographs. And after I work with this individual, this individual report that they no longer have a viral load for herpes. The two back-to-back -back test results are no viral load. Now, can that be proven by Newtonian physics? No. You, you can't prove anything but that, that a photograph will accept a signal and connect to a person. I myself cannot prove that yet. I can theorize, but nobody, this, is, this science is so new, we can't prove that. But here, this is what is the very crux of the matter. Everybody that I've ever worked with, with herpes, if I work with that person by way of their photograph, and if that person has a follow-up PCR test, the test result is always negative, no viral load. Now, that's beyond chance. I've worked with hundreds, thousands of people. After I work with people with their photograph, nobody has a viral load for herpes. Nobody. That's powerful. That's powerful. And, you know, obviously the, the critics always, you know, make the argument that uh, what's the phrase causation, uh, you know, essentially the the results don't um, prove that this is legitimate. But to me, from a scientific perspective, I mean, real science is based off of the empirical data. You know, you observe uh, the universe um, through your through experiences. We were we have findings in regards to what works and what doesn't. If we're getting all these different reports of people healing shortly after you've done this work. I mean, it reaches, a, I mean, granted, there are certain things that might be able to be explained for other reasons, but when you're seeing something happen time and time again, and it's proven beyond the realm of probability, obviously we have to give credence to that. So uh, you obviously have eyewitness reports. What kind of uh, health problems have you been able to cure from this kind of stuff? And what time frames have we looking at? Like, what's the strongest case of someone being able to be healed from this thing and outside of, I mean, has it just been limited to viral diseases? Yeah, good, great point. So let me explain how this works and then I'll, I'll answer your question. Sure. Working with a photograph, I match a photograph up with photographs of microbes. Now this, this collage of photograph has 15 viruses. So what's my point? I only work with photographs. If I place these two photographs inside the instrument, the instrument shares the intelligence of the viruses with my quantum field. 
So let me go very close to the, to the screen, to the camera. My photograph shares, communicates with the viruses. It's not a biological process, it's an informational process. And every virus has a signal that downloads into my quantum plane. By working with these 15 viruses, in an instant, I can communicate those 15 signals into my quantum plane, and I can bring to a state of chaos those 15 viruses in an instant. So this is how the instrument works, through photographs, which are force fields, which represent the microbe, which represents me. So, if I have a photograph of a microbe, I can find it in my quantum field and destroy it immediately or negate it immediately. The action is instantaneous. So the action is instantaneous in terms of the effects. So as far as people healing from the, their problems, I mean, how often does it take and then, to, and to then do this? That's, that's a great question. And so after we negate the microbe, or in this case, a virus, it might take a week or two weeks for people to recover, or it might take six months. There's so many factors that I cannot control, which is the biological field. I never work with people on a biological level. I work with people on an informational level. So we have to make those two distinctions. I can guarantee I can take this virus and just eradicate it, remove it, destroy it. I cannot guarantee somebody will have a quick biological improvement. Okay. Usually, usually that happens, but I cannot guarantee that. Why is that the case? Perhaps we can get, get into the metaphysics of how this stuff works, because I have this understanding. Obviously, we have this physical world, but there are other levels. I mean, this is spoken about within the Vedic texts. Uh, most societies actually speak about, they have different words, whether it's Kabbalah or the hermetical sciences, they refer to different planes. So you speak about the physical world, the biological world, but then the, uh, the astral or other subtle planes, the etheric planes that I guess you might call the quantum yes. plane. You mentioned that you're focusing on the, I, I believe, the quantum level. And my understanding is that uh, you see things manifest within the physical um, when they are manifested on the physical, I'm oh, sorry, on the uh, etheric level or other levels. And in the same way that we often see problems manifest with us physically, they're usually a, a product of things that are going on within our psychology or, or more like uh, uh a micro level, you know, you, you obviously manifest the problems with having a disease, but you see that initially on the microbial level. And I think it's similar when it comes to the uh, the quantum field. So right. uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? And is there is, is there a connection between um, the, the quantum that's, and the physical? Yes, that's brilliant. And there is. Now, let me go back to my photographs of microbes. Why do I like this? There's no human ingenuity. There's no human reasoning. Okay, this is the Rift Valley virus. It has a signal. It has coherence. It has order. I bring the Rift Valley virus to a state of chaos. That's all I do. So it exists, and then I bring it to non-existence. So if this is matter, I bring it to a state of antimatter. If this is order, I bring it to a state of chaos. And that's all I do. That's all you have to do. It's intelligence. So if this is the intelligence that creates and maintains a virus, I just flip it, or I destroy it, or I negate that intelligence. So it, there's no longer an intelligence behind the Rift Valley virus. So if this virus no longer has any intelligence, it ceases to exist as a virus. Okay, that's the... If you, if you think along the terms of information and intelligence, you either have something that is coherence, that is intelligence, that's order, or you have chaos. All of those viruses I bring to a state of informational chaos, of intellectual chaos. How's that? That's powerful. And I'll tell you why I like that, Tom. I like that because, one, I have a big issue with the current medical system, if you want to call it medicine. I, I personally think anything that promotes uh, substances that are causing more problems than they're actually alleviating, it's kind of hard to call that a medicine. You know, if you're taking, let's say, blood pressure medication, but it's get, making you constipated, it's giving you a whole bunch of problems, right? And it might even kill you through an, a, another problem. Uh, however, it's alleviating this one problem that you have. Well, that's kind of hard to call that a medication. But 
the kind of uh, approach that you're talking about, if it's effective, and I'm I'm assuming it is, it's getting to the underlying root. And there, I'm presuming there are no downsides to to this. I mean, that that's a question for you. Are, are there any any consequences to this this kind of treatment? And can no. it be used inversely? There, there, to, there to are no con yeah. Good good question. There's no consequences. Why? I'm going to go back to this collage of 15 viruses. There are 15 different intelligence or 15 different information bodies. I simply negate the information body. It's not a biological process. You cannot you cannot have an allergic reaction to scalar energy. It's non-physical. You cannot have an allergic reaction or a chemical detox with information. You need a biological reaction to produce some type of detox or allergic reaction. All of my work is non-physical. So the non-physical intelligence that holds together those viruses, I remove, I negate, I destroy. Sure. What you will. Sure. And with, and with that, it's only a removal of the intelligence of the information. Hence, there's, there's no biological consequence. Because okay. I only work on the informational level. All right. Well, let me be a little critical here. So if you're simply by disrupting the virus on the quantum level, uh, is, it, is it possible nonetheless to, to create these viruses? I mean, you mentioned that you can essentially disrupt them and in the same way that you can disrupt. And look, if the, it is being manifested on the physical level, I mean, granted, I know you're only affecting the quantum level, but we're seeing a manifestation on the physical level, then it wouldn't it follow that if you're doing something that is perhaps having what we call a negative effect on the quantum level, it would also manifest on the physical level. So let's say, I mean, what I'm trying to ask is, can this stuff be used negatively in the same way that there are positive thoughts that can uplift people and there are negative thoughts, low vibrational thoughts, they manifest obviously in the physical. Absolutely, yes. And that's one of the reasons why I guard this technology. Now, keep in mind, all I need is a photograph of a person. People willingly send me a photograph. Well, let's, let's just say that nefarious forces had this instrument and they found out a way to deliver the energy in a harmful fashion. That would be terrible. It that's would be. One of the yes, let's just be blunt. And that's one of the reasons why I don't, I don't share much of my knowledge. There are some things I know about this energy that I've never shared publicly. I don't intend to. These are powerful tools. My predecessor was a man by the name of Galen Hieronymus. I met his wife. I never met him. She slowly taught me this art, this science, and she entrusted me with a great deal of knowledge that I've never shared with anybody. Why? Because it has to be guarded. This is powerful. This is a, this is a force of the universe. This is the fundament of the universe. And to control scalar energy, essentially, you control nature. That is powerful stuff. And bro, I, I, I got to unpack this for you because it's it's my understanding there are many different uh, healing modalities that can be used that work on the quantum level. I mean, there's a, there, even in my culture, I come from Ghana and you're probably familiar with voodoo, right? Well, we have something in Ghana called juju and essentially it deals with uh, the same principle of you have something called a witness, for instance, a, a strand of someone's hair or a, 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 a a representation of them, like some kind of like a, a doll or something like that. And because it, I mean, there's a qu quantum mechanical explanation for this. Everything is interconnected, you know? So if you, if you take something from someone, you take, let's say their, their, uh, their doll. And obviously it, it's something that has connected with them over a period of time. And you, even though that doll is no longer connected to that person at a particular point, you can influence the doll and you can influence them, even if they are in theory, miles light years apart right because everything is in contact and you see in juju people using this in order to to do pernicious things like uh you know to, to cast spells and so forth and all of all of lore whether it's uh, in africa or shamanistic societies there are all these different techniques that are used to sometimes bring about good but also understandably because it's it's always about not about the uh the tool per se but it's about the wielder but often Bring, to bring about a lot of negative things. And this is why uh, we, we see within the history of, of, of the planet that there, I think people have always been very weary of people that deal in 
these sciences, because essentially that's what they are. I mean, when we're talking about the occult, which essentially means that which is hidden, you know, so scalar energy can be considered occult because the scientific community doesn't understand how that works. That applies to many, many of the sciences now that we consider to be just mainstream science. So it's interesting to hear you talk about these things, how you tend to protect this uh, this technology, because the truth is there are other forms of this technology. I mean, this is not just from my cultural heritage, but all around the world that have been misused. And I would actually argue that there are people in the establishment that actually wield a lot of these uh, these technologies uh, to, to do a lot of harm. I mean, I'm very familiar with things like Enochian magic, but um, there, there are people that are practitioners of a whole uh, form of um, d things dealing with um, uh, the, the essentially manipulation of people through psychology, through um, hidden modalities and whatnot. So I just, it's just something I wanted to share that uh, I, right. I respect you for protecting the information. But yeah, there are, there are other forms of that going on, that technology. You're absolutely. You're absolutely right. I've always told people the human mind and the heart are scalar energy vessels. The, the fact that you can think is a scalar wave. The fact that you have emotions is a scalar wave. And I always ask people, what do you think gives you your circadian rhythm? Why does your heart beat? It's scalar intelligence. I can guarantee you it's, it's, it's not a biological function. That's the end product. What gives the information to the heart? Why does a heart beat? Where does it receive the instructions from scalar energy? Where does your mind receive those instructions? It's scalar energy. What's my point? We've seen people use the mind or the, or the emotions, the mind or the heart, for good or evil. Okay. This instrument essentially controls those brain waves or, or those emotions. Brain waves and emotions are scalar waves. Okay. So with that in mind, I not only can work with my brain waves and my emotions, I can work with the brain waves and emotions of millions of people. Today, wow. earlier in my laboratory, I was working with half a million photographs. I was connecting with half a million people through their brain waves and their emotions. So you, you don't even have to be consciously look. I mean, the way that your technology works is simply just taking photos from people and the the computer or whatever it is that you created is able to do all the work here. So is there any, is there any advantage to, because you mentioned that essentially we are, this, this is the impression I got, we're scalar beings, or at least we're using scalar technology as through our biological vessel. I mean, why can't a normal human being through things like prayer and through these other techniques just within the mind create the same effect? Because I, I know there are people like Greg Braden. He's a, a scientist and also a, what, what I'd call a, uh, a woo-woo spiritual tech technologist. You know, he basically brings together the realm of science and spirituality. And he speaks about how he has proven within the scientific method, reproducible time and time again, healing people through prayer. There's this classic video going viral where he's able, you're able to see this cancer tumor, I think it is, uh, shrink by saying by chanting i think it was something like wushu i can't remember what the phrase but it basically means it is done right thinking in the realm of something actually having happened as opposed to you wanting to happen which is something you tend to do when you're praying that it's this idea that it's already happened you're just bringing that into fruition and we you get to see this cancer tumor uh shrink and my point is that through prayer or through this technology which is just done by him he's able to achieve a very well a very powerful thing what's the difference between you doing that on your own versus you using the technology that you have through the photos and whatnot very i've heard of that that uh they actually saw the tumor shrink through prayer through through this meditation and actually their method is like my method where perhaps prayer supersedes my method so what is my point this is a prayer machine this is consciousness. I'm going to go a step further. The Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament is a scalar energy instrument. What gave the Ark of the Covenant light? What gave it grace? What, gave, what animated the Ark of the Covenant? The scalar energy. The same energy that illuminates a light bulb. This is the modern day equivalent of the Ark of the Covenant. And you don't need an instrument in the laboratory because everybody has a mind and a heart. And that's what I'm trying to teach people. 
how powerful their mind and their heart is. If people realize that your mind and your heart is more powerful than that instrument, the world would change. No doubt, no doubt. So, how did you get? How did you get started on this path? Is is this something? Have you? Did you start off as a scientist and you you moved into the realm of scalar technology? Was it the other way around? I mean, what what's been your journey in regards to d discovering this technology and opening your mind to this? It's mysticism. I began with mysticism, and I end proving this from a scientific point of view. A lot of people say, Tom, how did you discover this? God gave me the wisdom. I did not start with deduction. I end with deduction. The afflatus, the information, the wisdom that God has given me allow me to make scientific discoveries. I did it the opposite way around. Now, if, if, you, had to do, if you had to do this by deduction and, and, and you had to prove everything, it, it would take you thousands of years. I don't live that long. How did I start with mysticism? God showed me the way, and then I, then I proved it in some type of functioning model as this. Tesla was the same way. If you read Tesla carefully, Tesla said he had flashes of light. His mind would be illuminated. He had a physical manifestation many times when he was trying to sleep at night. Flashes of light, illumination, scalar illumination. And God would show him an invention. God has showed me this invention. We do not start from a, a blank piece of paper. God, through mysticism, shows us. It's so interesting to hear you say that because whereas we know that's the case with Tesla, it's a common thing you find where these, these scientists uh, often have these revelations. And I say this because, well, one, the guy I mentioned from Zimbabwe, Maxwell, he actually speaks about, he has the same Genesis story to his creations. He speaks about how this guy comes from no classical understanding of technology, but spoke about how he just started learning this stuff himself. And he got inspirations uh, through what he calls God, essentially, about how to create these technologies, like the free energy device he created. And this is a common theme you find within, I mean, people often delegate science to the realm of, oh, it, it, we don't believe in anything to do with God and all this woo-woo nonsense. But a lot of the scientists, like the creator of the scientific methods, Sir Francis Bacon, was a deeply religious man that didn't start off as an atheist, but essentially started off as someone that was wanting to prove the nature of reality, God, essentially, and went about making his scientific discoveries. And I always quote him whenever I'm speaking to the, you know, the, the materialists that don't believe any of this kind of stuff unless they can verify it, right? That he's actually quoted as saying, so this is the founder of the scientific method, which is essentially the, the religion of the, the, the modern society that uh, a little... A little, a little science will lead man into atheism. Um, a great deal of science, I paraphrase, will lead man into the belief of God. And it's this idea kind of parallel to what you're saying, that when you, uh, when you delve deep into this study, you're able to prove the understanding of reality, God, Krishna, Buddha, Allah, because you see this represented within the, the evidence. And uh, I find, speaking to people like you, uh, proof of that you're you're obviously someone that um from what you're telling me that you yeah, you essentially through your work you want you uncovered that oh there is something here and what people are talking about in regards to spirituality oh there there's something to it it's just yeah you're right that's brilliant of you and thank you for mentioning that you know if you look at science superficially then you just you break it down to almost a, a mechanistic viewpoint but if you look at Every mechanical process, every chemical process has to have intelligence, instructions to proceed it. Okay? Don't look at the end product. I see the chemical reaction. Okay? I, can, I look at the periodic table just as you do. Okay? I've seen electron microscopes. What gives rise, what is the intelligence behind that? It's scalar energy. The, this is an instruction instrument. If I can easily send instructions to my quantum field, and if I can tell my quantum field to eradicate the intelligence of 15 different viruses, and I don't have to do anything, I simply instruct the instrument to do, do that. There's no human reasoning, so we're beyond human effort. There's no human reasoning, so the intelligence does all the work. Not human effort, divine work, divine intelligence. There's a big oh. difference there.
there's a big difference. Yeah. Well, let's 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 talk about let's talk about because I realize that this is scalar energy. When we're talking about this, we are even though we're talking about science and health, we are essentially talking about God, the underlying force that permeates all life. And uh, that to me is powerful because I, I, I've been watching this science fiction uh, movie, uh, TV series lately called The Foundation. And uh, it's not a spoiler, but um, one of the there's this guy that is basically an expert of psycho, what he calls psycho history. And this is predicting what's going to happen in the future. And he has this idea that essentially societies and this is the work of um, Isaac Asimov, one of the most prolific science fiction authors, but within the one of the characters, uh, he talks about how within a society, we often see civilizations starting off believing in what we call superstition. They try to understand the universe through superstitious ideas and whatnot, but as they evolve, they adopt this understanding of science, which explains this phenomenon. Because I've always believed that we're just using different terms to express these concepts, and Eventually, as our understanding matriculates, there's this efflorescence of consciousness, and we start realizing that the thing that we're calling God, the thing that we're calling chi prana, is essentially, well, it's scalar energy. Or, but what are your thoughts on God? How do you? Because I, I think you already answered this, but perhaps if you can expand on this, what is your worldview when it comes to God? I guess the meaning of life, and how does this relate to scalar energy? There is a God. There is a God. I'm a Christian. I believe this is the energy, the light of Jesus Christ, and it's perfect, and it's omnipresent. Now, why do I say that? If I can place a photograph in this instrument, you call it Christ consciousness, or you call it the matrix, or you call it the force field, call it what you will, and it can find, it can identify any person in the world or any object, how do you do that? instantaneously. Only God can do that. If this person lives in Chicago and God can find their force field in an instant, that, well, that beats me. I don't program this instrument. I want to be this very clear here. There's no human reasoning. There's no human input. The photograph is the instruction, or the photograph receives the action. So all thought, all action is on the part of God, the divine source. Well, that, it's pretty easy for me. You know, a lot of people are they're mystified. Tom, how can you do that? My response is, today I treated half a million photographs once again. I don't know where those half a million people live. I don't know what their disease condition is. I don't know what their psychological state is. The energy knows everything in an instant. So it has to be the God force. That that is powerful, brother, and I actually feel the same way. You know, I was brought up as a Christian, but my dad had a, a very Eastern influence. My name is actually Krishna, and I was brought up learning about the Vedas and Eastern philosophy, or medical sciences, and so forth. That was essentially my indoctrination for the most part. And I've always had this uh, attitude where I try to understand uh, the secrets of the universe um, through both modalities. You know, and I realize that we're just using words to express these concepts and. I, I've always found that a lot of the the fundamentalist Christians will get frustrated anytime you speak about some of these issues. Have you dealt with that? Because I I heard you call yourself a, a Christian, but you're you're dealing with technologies that I think definitely a couple of hundred years ago, and I think to this to this day, people will still look at and call, call witchcraft. What witchcraft is this? You must you must be in league with the devil. You must be. <laughs> you get all of that stuff with the uh, the Christian community. Have you dealt with that and? Uh, most people today are, are, are open-minded. Maybe 30 years ago when I was younger, they were more closed-minded. But now people realize if you're following the laws of science and God created science, then you're working hand-in-hand -hand with God, with the laws of science. Now, that's the key to my work. This is not subjective. This, this energy does what, what it wants to do. It, it operates on its own self-directed course. So I follow the laws of science. Who created the laws of science? The creator, God. So there cannot be any distinction here. You, you cannot say God contradicts himself. He never does. As long as you follow the laws of science, you're morally correct, and obviously you're scientifically accurate. Oh, that's, that's a big one, because we, we live in this world where we are seeing a lot of these scientific technologies being used to uh, essentially coerce people, to control them, 
they're, they're obviously potentially very disruptive. Not to say that the technology in of itself necessarily is bad, but it can often be wielded to do negative things. I, I alluded to this with you know, even things like prayer. Inversely, that can be used to you know cast uh, you know negative spells and uh, what do they call it? Hex, put hexes on people and all that kind of stuff. And we've definitely seen over the last few years, um, without mentioning these technologies, because I want to get this stuff on obviously on social media, but we've definitely seen certain things that can be used to suppress people, control people um, on a technological level. And uh, what what are your thoughts on that in terms of when technology becomes not congruent with God? I mean, this is a very open-ended question, but I just wanted to touch on this because I think it's an interesting yeah, yeah. point. That's a good point. So let me say this about our modern day age. We have great technological advances. They, they have to be matched side by side with great morality. Great technology must walk hand in hand with great morality. For instance, I'm not in favor of the atomic bomb. I think that was a foolish thing to do. And that was a lack of morality. Well, even though we can create an atomic bomb, does that give us a right? Does that give us... The, the, the obligation to create an atomic bomb? No, that's indiscriminate killing. So, yes, we have great technology. I, I wish we would have never invented the nuclear bombs, atomic bombs. What's my point? You, those who worked on the atomic bomb should have had greater morality and said, no, this, this is an incredibly destructive bomb. We can't do this. Mm. As I mentioned to you, there's some things I understand about this energy. I'm not going to broadcast that. I won't make this public knowledge. Absolutely. I think we are seeing this question, particularly in the realm of artificial intelligence now. Um, no doubt you've been seeing the rise of these incredible technologies that can be used to to bring about so much creativity. Uh, but as you'd imagine, uh, we're realizing, in fact, this has always been the case, but there's there's always been this threat of a Skynet situation where this AI emerges and is able to, let's say, wipe out the planet. But this is actually a real concern for a, a, a lot of the um, the creators of this stuff at the moment. Um, open AI has actually been having this conversation with governments in regards to how to regulate this technology, because on one hand, it's actually been used to cure, to solve a whole bunch of problems and so forth. But I recently watched a documentary on how uh, they found that a bunch of scientists were actually able to just using the, the chat GPT technology to to get this thing to create, uh, I forget what they're called, but they are, uh, uh, they're, they're essentially viruses or some kind of like genetic uh, uh, thing that is extremely toxic. So they've created new ge genetic compounds, excuse me if I'm misrepresenting the language, that are highly toxic. And all they did was by just changing one little thing. So rather than trying to create very um, powerful healing substances, they've actually created these genetic compounds and so forth that are the most toxic in the world that have never even been invented, right? By getting ChatGP to come up with this kind of stuff. And there's this whole conversation being had now, like if it was that easy for them to create this stuff. So for instance, obviously you've heard of um, nerve gas, like this is uh, certain things like that. They created a compound through ChatGPT or through this AI that was more lethal than this stuff in magnitude by just, and we're talking about compounds that have never made before. So um, the conversation has been had right now, like how do we limit this technology, which I think is very interesting. And just to kind of um, just a tangent off of the point that you made in regards to nuclear power, there is a movie at the moment um, around the creation of the atomic bomb Oppenheimer, I think it is. And it's 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 very interesting because there is this scene in the movie where uh, um, they speak about how there is this potential that this thing, if it goes up, could incinerate the atmosphere of the universe. And I, I know this is the case because I actually read this um, in, you know, just researching this area. But to think that the scientific mindset, the zeitgeist, even, I mean, back then, but even more so now, was thinking, well, yes, this thing might be able to end the war, and, but it may incinerate the universe. But hey, Correct. let's try. That seems to be the, the inclination of the scientific mindset. It's like, let's see what happens anyway. Let's just do it. And you, you talk about, I have the same aversion to nuclear power, but one of the issues that I deal with is I'm very pro-freedom. I think one of the most powerful things, the most important things as being a human being is having the ability to choose to create. And there's this battle between the suppression of that um, versus the uh, efflorescence of that. I think um, like I, I think of uh, 
of Aristotle speaking about eudaimonia, which is what is supposed to be to your uh, flourishing, to essentially live, providing you're not harming anyone in the process, to live your own personal flourishing. And through, I mean, by creating these technologies like Scalar, um, we're able to do that. But as soon as we say we're not going to allow people to create this because of potential, and with nuclear power specifically, you mentioned nuclear bombs, but nuclear power it can be used. I don't know if sustainable is the right word, but it's been used to essentially fuel a lot of societies. So this, these are the things that I think about. And just on to you, uh, you know, just rifting off of this, uh, what are your thoughts on that? You're right. There's a duality. I, here's a simple analogy. I use a hammer. Hammers are very constructive. They, they allow me to build or pull out a nail. But some people have used a hammer and they've, they've hit somebody. They've created an assault with that weapon. So it, it, if it's that simple with a hammer, then it, it's cut and dry, with whether it's AI or whether it's scalar or, or nuclear power. So as we advance as a, as a society, God forbid if we don't have matching morality, we'll, we'll be out of control. These instruments are becoming so strong. Our technology is so advanced. You're right. We're going to annihilate ourselves if we don't have guardrails, if we don't have a moral compass. Absolutely. The kids have found the matches. I, I've heard this quote that uh, our times are are riddled with this issue where our technological ad advancement has overshot our spiritual advancement. And we now have the ability to to completely obliterate the world. You know, um, I, I think of this JFK speech. Uh, uh, you know, I think he says, you know, man ha man holds within his hands the power to abolish all forms of human life um, and human aspects. Yet the same revolutionary beliefs that our forebears fought are still an issue around the globe. The belief that the rights of man come not from the generosity of God. You know, like we need to have our freedom, um, and they shouldn't be restricted. But we have this tremendous power now to obliterate all life. And it comes with uh, with responsibility. And uh, yeah, I think this is the realm that we're moving into. When I think of scale, I am someone that is deeply into this technology. And I'm so glad I've you know, been able to get you on this because from a very, for at least probably 20 years now, um, I mean, I was involved in the zeitgeist movement. The idea of being able to, to, to sustain society through these technologies, because we're at the point where this technology is there. I mean... Zero point energy is not something built of air and imagination. There have been so many other people. I know you say your, your work is is very is is very secretive, which it is. I've seen this kind of technology so many times on the internet, and we've seen this. It's here, but uh, we we don't see it manifest. And I think we can address so many of the problems we're facing in the world. There's still people, you know, more than half of the world goes to bed with empty tummies, but we have this technology to essentially create. I mean, we're at the point where I think we're able to, once you create energy, I mean, once you can use energy as easily as uh, we're doing now, it's it, the next step is to create abundant life. And uh, obviously you alleviate the problems of hunger and so forth. And with free energy, um, we can actually start focusing on goals. Like one of the things I love about Star Trek is they move from this realm of uh, society moves away from dependency on uh, on well, I mean, once it has all of this energy and so forth, they're able to focus on star travel because everyone has abundance and no one needs uh, to go out and work and so forth. And that's exactly. why this work is so important. Exactly. If, if scalar energy becomes the norm, I've said this many times, nobody should be able, nobody should have to work more than 15 hours a week. We should, we should reduce the work week to 10 hours a week. Why? Everything's provided. I, this instrument allows me to do the work of a million people. If today I could work with half a million photographs, someday I'll be—I'll probably be working with two, three, four million photographs. One person can send quantum healing to millions of people. That's what—that's what I call the multiplier effect. We're—we're we're going to reduce the work week. We're going. To, there are many problems that will be solved, and we'll move from a consumptive economy to a productive economy. Right now, we're just throwing money down the drain with energy consumption. And, and we, we pay too much in taxes. And there are, there's interest on our debt. But we're not getting ahead. We're, we're consuming our resources. If we have free energy, you're not consuming anything. Absolutely. And 
once again, I, I see this technology alleviating, I think, which three of the major problems we're facing in this world. One, energy, obviously. Two, health. And you've already mentioned there that you're using this stuff to essentially cure people with the, the photographic scalar work that you're doing. And I think, to me personally, I've always felt that it all starts with, um, one, the will in order to actually want to address the issues. But knowledge, understanding is is necessary in order to uh, address any issue. You know, I think um, wisdom comes not, not just from knowing though, like to know and not to do is not to know. Like once you have the knowledge, you apply it. That's when you start to address the issues that we're facing in this world. And I think a lot of the times people aren't aware of these technologies, the fact that there are other alternatives. I mean, we, we live in a society where the vast majority of people think they need to see their doctors that pump them full of these drugs that only exacerbate the issue not realize that there are other healing modalities there. They don't realize that there are other ways to sustain yourself rather than having to go to work uh, you know, 60 hours a week. Perhaps you can get some free energy device that can power you and you only have to work 15 hours a week. So by connecting with people like you and getting this stuff out there, and you know, I'm going to be, or I can't, there are going to be so many clips of, of this uh, going on the interwebs and whatnot. I think people are going to start to bring about, there's going to be this collective consciousness uh, where People have an understanding of what is possible, and I think we're moving into that time. Have you just so just in, in regards to your experiences with this? You, you've obviously seen. I, I'd imagine you you experienced the the zeitgeist of how people have been towards these kind of technologies. What what are you seeing in terms of how people react to this this subject matter now? They're very open. I have a grassroots movement. People are kind, respectful. They see that I'm working with scientific instruments. They realize that this is not woo-woo. This, this is a scientific engineered instrument, and they respect that, and it's catching on, and I'm really proud of the people. As a grassroots movement, we can achieve so much. Absolutely. It all, it all starts um, with the grassroots movement. Yeah. Uh, Tom, bro, this has been a powerful conversation. I, I really... I really enjoy this. And uh, bro, I would love to do it again sometime. There's so many things that I'm sure we could delve into. But uh, but listen, if, peop if people want to get a hold of your work, because we've only just touched on the, the photographic healing, which I know is a, is a big part of your work. And uh, if people want to perhaps learn a bit more about that, uh, uh, how do they get a hold of you? I'll, obviously, I'll put your links down here. But what's the best way to, uh, to get in touch with you? I want people to sign up for a 15-day free session. You're going to email us your photograph, scalarlight.com, S-C-A-L-A-R, scalarlight.com. You prove it to yourself. This is a new science. These are groundbreaking instruments. It's never been done before, with the exception of my predecessor, Hieronymus, who is deceased. So try it. Send us your photograph. We'll balance your chakras. We'll provide nutrients. We'll identify microbes and we'll eliminate the microbes from the quantum plane, from the informational plane. And then after 15 days, you decide how you feel. I like that. I'm definitely going to uh, take you up on that offer, brother. You know, I think we can all benefit from uh, from improving our health or aspects of our life. So kudos to you there. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tom Paladino. Can I just say, I love your name. Uh, I to mention it's kind of corny, you know, but uh, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> as a kid and I'd always play the role of a paladin. They were like my go-to because, you know, they, they're both the uh, perfect synergy of of, of conscious, like uh, they're, they're strong, powerful warriors, but they're also like spell casters and magicians. They're essentially the modern day technologists, you know, and uh, I think that's a very fitting role for yourself obviously you're you are a light worker you're doing great work and you are also very well versed in the uh the the spells the esoteric mystery school knowledge you're able to essentially uh um, manipulate this reality through scalar and whatnot so tom paladino <laughs> i love it where what is your background just out of curiosity like what what's whereabouts are you from you, i know you're based in florida but yeah I, i'll give you my genealogy okay if you will. On my mother's side, um, I have Austrian and Irish blood. My dad's side, we're, we're both Italian. So that's my mix. Powerful, powerful. Well, Tom, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Crucial Journey podcast. And bro, there, I have all these questions, but I just got so caught up in my own thoughts and whatnot that I, I wanted to kind of just expand on certain things that I hope the audience will find interesting. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, drop the comments below. Let us know what you thought about these topics. 
you'll be able to get in touch with Tom through his uh, links, which I'll be sharing here. And as I always like to say, remember there are three things that cannot remain hidden for long, the sun, the moon, and the wisdomatic truth bombs of this scalar energy technology by Tom Pal Paladino, my brother. Thank God you so, you. Tom, God bless you. Thank you for your amazing work and your knowledge and uh, the just all the work that you're putting out there, man. I know this stuff is uh, is very important and it definitely comes with uh, with risks as well. You know, anytime you are you are pushing the boundaries of of, of science, um, there are obviously going to be a lot of detractors and whatnot, skeptics, but um, kudos to you. I salute you. You are a scholar. You are a gentleman. And it's been an absolute pleasure uh, connecting with you. Uh, uh, I'd, I'd love to do this again sometime. I'll be in touch with you, man. I'll show my Instagram. Please. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put this. I should have this out um, over the next few days. So uh, I'll send you all the links. And uh, you'll probably see some uh, clips popping around here on the Instagrams and the TikToks and whatnot. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get a hold of us, you can find us obviously on the Spotify, on the iTunes. I've got a Patreon. I'll put the links here. Appreciate everyone with all your gratitude, with all the reviews. If you can continue to do that, thank you. Tell your mom, tell your friends about Tom Palladino and yours truly, Chris Shul, the chocolate Nubian soul brother. <laughs> That's what I call myself. Tom, thank you once again. I appreciate you. God bless you. Surya Namaskar. Namaste. Thank you, my brother. You're brilliant. Uh, thank you. You're, 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 you're a great moderator, man. You, you know your stuff. Uh, you're well-read. Thank, thank you. you for thank you for spending your life at this. You know this is not a merry-go-round. It takes work. It's, it's it's not a free ride. And I could tell by your uh, your background, you've done your homework. It, it's work. I I acknowledge work. You know this did not filter in through the stratosphere. So you've done your homework. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. Let me just there end it. Where this world leads, all I know is